Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are in our series Immersed and Pastor Michael spoke the message on the death sentence. A key text we will be taking a look at is Romans 6 verse 4 and it reads, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Your engaged question to ponder and think about as you listen to this message is, should we just keep on sinning so God's grace can come through? Hey God, we're here. We need you. God, give us faith to trust what you say. That your will will always remain. God, we leave that up to you. God, I pray that this space is holy ground. As we open scripture this morning, get some words from Paul that he wrote to the Romans a couple thousand years ago. I pray that your grace will be sufficient for us and that we might come away from this place with a blessing that we could take to someone else. And may we have a richer and more full understanding of your grace in our lives. God, we look forward to seeing you soon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're in Romans, what chapter? Five. Yes, thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. Romans chapter five, and we're going to start in verse 18. Normally you get a sermon like, oh, we're going to start in verse one. We're going to go. Here's the thing. Sometimes the verse and chapter markers in our Bible are super helpful because they allow me to say, hey, we're going to be in this spot, and you can instantly know where to go. But where they are unfortunately unhelpful is that sometimes they create divides in Scripture when I don't think that there is a divide. So today we're going to be beginning in the last part of Romans chapter 5 and going through the beginning of Romans chapter 6. I know it's going to mess with you a little bit. you got to click over to the next chapter. you got to turn the page. But we have to catch Romans 5 and 6 together this morning to have a clearer picture of what God has in store for us. So we're going to start Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It reads this way, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Now, I know it's on your mind, hey, who's this Adam guy? And you're like, okay, I kind of know who Christ Jesus is. I get that, but we're kind of just jumping into the middle. How do I put this into framework? Well, Romans chapter 5 puts Adam, the first created human being, and Jesus into comparison and lists how Adam didn't get it right, couldn't get it right, and all of these things that he did not get right, but for the grace of God through Christ, Christ was able to fulfill where Adam left off. And so we catch from verse 18 in Romans chapter 5, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Isn't that great? We We can point the blame to one guy. It's Adam's sin the reason that we have condemnation. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Through one person, sin came into this world. But through another, grace came for all. You might be looking at this passage as well and saying, hey, what's this like right relationship thing? My Bible might say righteousness. Those two are synonymous. Righteousness means right relationship with God, right standing with God. And through Jesus, we can have access to that right relationship. Paul doesn't, he's not done here. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 18. He continues on in verse 19. Puts it this way. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. There's that righteous word again. And I, out of this entire pericope, this section of scripture that we're going to be looking at today, this is my favorite verse. I love this verse because it paints a beautiful picture of the story of humanity. Through one person's disobedience, we have become sinners. But through another person's obedience, we have been made righteous. I was thinking in, in my mind as, I, as I'm looking at this passage, a question jumps into my mind. What influence do you have? Through one singular person, sin came into this world. And through another singular person, righteousness came into this world. Think about the incredible amount of influence that one person can have. What influence do you have? Remember when I was getting ready to come to attend Southwestern Adventist University many, many months ago, my dad told me this. He said, you know, you're going down there. You have the option to choose many, many things when you go to college. We're not going to be around. You have the decisions that you can make. But here's one thing I encourage you to do. Leave Southwestern better for going than if you hadn't gone. Each and every one of us have influence. We're influencing each other today. As you walked in today, you made a judgment about where to sit, depending on the people sitting around you. We have influence on one another, and we can choose to influence in a positive direction, or we can choose to influence in a negative direction. By one person's disobedience, Sin entered this world, but through one person's obedience, God's righteousness is extended to others. How does our obedience to God form the righteousness of others? And here's the thing. Here's the, here's the whole punchline of today's message. I'm going to give it to you. We could say closing prayer. We could head out. We could just finish it here. Got a little bit more to look at to kind of help it get clear. But here, here's the focus of this section of Scripture. That my righteousness does not come by my own right actions. My righteousness comes unequivocally through Jesus Christ. But where does that leave our right actions, right? Because the Bible talks a lot about, hey, we have to have right living. We've got to be in right standing with God. We've got to do all these things. This text makes it explicitly clear that our obedience to God is so that others might experience right relationship with God. Jesus came to this world and obeyed the law to the T in order that we might experience life to the fullest. Our righteousness is only good insofar as it is for the person sitting next to us. Salvation and love are not me-centered. They are other-centered, and the Bible is unapologetic about that. So Paul makes a point, Romans 5. Verse 20, we continue on reading through Scripture. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. 
Isn't this kind of a cool passage to think about in your mind? God gave his law, the set of writings that is, is attributed to Moses. The Ten Commandments are included in that. There's a list of, of things to do and things to not do. That was given so that people could become aware of their sinfulness. And Paul, the author of Romans, points out that as people became aware of their sinfulness, they became even more aware of the wonderful grace that comes from God. The more aware we are of our sin, the more aware that we become of God's grace. I think about it this way. If anybody has been car shopping recently or maybe you've searched for something online, all of a sudden you start to see the particular car that you've been looking for. All of a sudden everybody drives it. For us, we purchased Ford Explorer a couple months ago. As we were looking and researching, all of a sudden there was Ford Explorers all over the roads. Maybe you've done a Google search, a very, a very simple, you're maybe looking into a particular product, you wanted to use that. All of a sudden, ads for that product just keep coming left and right, left and right. And you're like, I don't even remember searching for that. As we become more aware of our sin, we become more aware of God's grace. And it leads to the log- logical uh, idea that maybe, just maybe, Where sin abounds more, grace abounds more, so it doesn't matter how much we sin because, in fact, the more we sin, the more grace that we can see. To think about that this morning. Paul continues on, Romans 5, verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Isn't that amazing? Through Adam, everybody dies. Through Jesus, everybody lives giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only thing that gets you there is Jesus Christ. Full stop. Through his obedience to the Father, God extends righteousness and right standing to us. We can go outside in the parking lot, jump as high as we can. For some of us, it's going to be higher than others. No shame. But in comparison to the distance that we have to travel in order to be in close relationship with God, a.k.a. heaven, it's pennies. It's nothing that we can do. We can try our hardest, but we simply cannot get there. Paul is unapologetic and says that salvation, eternal life, comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. No other person, no other action, only through Jesus Christ. And this is where Paul asks the question in Romans 6, verse 1. We have to go to the next chapter because he's not done with the thought. The person who was writing this in was like, oh, that looks like a good place to put a 6. But no, Paul's not done yet. He asks the question that is on our minds. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Because the more I sin, the more grace I could become aware of, right? Let's see what Paul has to say about that. Romans chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. He says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue living in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We were joined in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Here's the thing that we struggle with often, is we see salvation as a a transaction. 
Salvation is transactional. If I do just enough, God's grace will be extended towards me. If I could do just a little bit more, maybe God would love me and that would bring me into right relationship. But we cannot believe the lie that salvation is transactional. Salvation is relational. Jesus came and died so that you might live. And he says, the only thing that matters is that we're in relationship. We've got to be in relationship with one another. We'll take care of everything else. When we're in relationship with one another, you're in right standing with me. We're walking together. It does not matter what happens around you. You and I, we're together. And in this series, we've been talking about baptism. We're calling it immerse, talking about this immersion in water and relating it to being raised to walk in a new life, or maybe being raised in new lives. This is the section of Scripture where we pull that from. Baptism as immersion, get this, is laying your life in the hands of someone else in a hostile environment. From this passage, we perceive that sin leads to death. And we know that sin permeates this world as it is. This world is hostile to our health. This world does not have anything to offer to us that can help us be better. That's only the good things come from God. And regularly within this faith context, we fill a tank back there with water. People are submerged and immersed in water and raised to walk in a new life. If you think about it, for those of you that have been baptized here, maybe baptized somewhere else, you are literally laying your life in the hands of somebody else and trusting them to bring you back up out of the water. Because I don't know about you, but my lungs are allergic to water. Like, they take in oxygen very well, but water, it just, it just it doesn't, it doesn't work too well, right? There's a story that, that goes that there's this one lady who came to a pastor. says, Pastor, I want to be baptized. And he said, fantastic. Let's, let's do that for you. And she says, I, I want to do it, but only on one condition. When you baptize me, please hold me under the water for 60 seconds because there's a lot that's got to wash off. And I want to make sure that it's washed off so that when I come back out, I'm not leaving anything behind. The pastor said, are are you sure? And she said, yes, I'll have my nose plugged. I've I've been practicing holding my breath. Everything's going to be okay. So came to the baptism and uh, everything was going swimmingly. (laughs) I know that probably should have left that one out. Everything was going swimmingly. Until the part that, you know, the baptism. So the pastor says, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. And he puts her under the water and holds her there. But the thing he had neglected to tell everybody else was that he was going to hold her there. So she's under the water. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. People are starting to get her. He's going to bring her back out because normally it's like, back out. And afterwards, we brought it back up. Everything's fine. Everybody's like, oh, okay, we're good to go. But when you're baptized in water, you're laying your life into somebody else's hands, trusting that they will raise you back up. Immersion in a new way to live is trusting in the power of Jesus in the hostile environment that laying your life in his hands, he will bring you back up to new life. He promises and he's faith. The SDDA Bible Commentary puts it this way, page 537, volume 6. 
The union of the Christian believer with his divine Savior is, of course, of higher order than this. It implies a relationship of such love and implicit trust that the believer is actually changed into the same likeness of goodness and mercy as his Redeemer. Baptism is not a public proclamation of a spiritual relationship with Christ. Baptism is a public proclamation of a spiritual relationship with Christ. Hear me right. Baptism represents the joining of the life of the believer in such close union with the life of Christ that the two become, as it were, one spiritual unity. Being immersed in a new way to be human is laying your life in Jesus Christ and being raised back up in him again. Paul is not done with us. He's got to continue a little bit farther. Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 6 put it this way. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to a life as he was. We know that our own sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Should we just keep on sinning so that grace can abound? May it never be. Paul makes it clear. We are no longer slaves because we've placed our lives in the hands of Jesus and he now has become our master. Sin has no hold on us. By the power of Jesus, we can choose a different path. Continues on in verse 7 of chapter 6. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also will live in him. Sin has no power over us. Death has no power over us. Dying with Christ, we have the power to live. Salvation is so much more than simply not doing sins. So much more. It's not just the removal of the bad, it's the infusion of the good. It's living your best life as God intended, not by your own actions, but what Christ has already done. The right standing life lives from the power of God, not for the power of God. We are saved so that we might live lives in obedience to lives. We do not obey in order to be saved. Our obedience stems from salvation that's already been extended to us by the grace of Jesus Christ. Through one man, disobedience and sin came into this world. Through another man, obedience and right standing came to this world. We live obedience from salvation, not for salvation. And here's Paul's appeal and confidence as we finish up our time together this morning. Romans chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. We are sure of this. Paul says, we are sure. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. What are you living for? For Jesus, his life was lived for the glory of God. As you're processing this being raised to walk in a new life, from death to resurrection to life, to whom are you giving glory? Is it, are you living so that God may be glorified? Or maybe 
so that yourself could be glorified. Maybe it's ambition, fame, climbing the ladder, or maybe some other distraction that takes you off of the glory of God. Our lives are meant to be lived in glory of who God is. And the only way that we can do that is recognizing that we are saved, full stop. Nothing that we can do to earn that. There's nothing that we can do to possibly make that meter tick a little bit higher. From that salvation, we are propelled to walk in a new life and in obedience to who God is. And that obedience then elicits a response in something, somebody else. My obedience is not about my salvation. My obedience is so that the people sitting to my left and my right in front and behind me can see a picture of the living God in me. And the only way that's, pow- that's possible is through the power of God. Paul finishes this way, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Unequivocally, without apology, so you also, in the same way that we have confidence that Jesus died once and will never die again, so also should you consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So this is where we finish today. Baptism is being raised to walk in a new life. It's immersion in a new way to be human. Baptism for Paul is the marker of an internal change. It doesn't start with the tank. Your life, your new life starts in symbolically that way, but it's a marker of what God is already doing in your life. That change for us is recognizing that we're dead to the power of sin. Sin no longer has a hold of us. It's no longer, oh, I should probably stop doing this. I should probably stop doing that. It's saying, that's no longer got a hold on me. God has a new way for me to be human and a new way for me to, be, to live. I don't have to worry about what comes my way because I know Christ holds the keys to the grave and holds the power over sin and darkness. So here's the appeal for you this morning. You today can be raised to walk in a new life. I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. We're going to keep asking through this series and throughout the rest of this calendar year. We've got a baptism Sabbath coming up on May 1, and I hope you will join me in prayer for those in our community who need to make that public recognition of that symbolism, laying their lives down and being raised to new life. So put a code up on the screen if you want to respond to and connect and and, uh, send a message to our lead team saying, hey, I want to be baptized. Go ahead and scan the code on the screen. You know, you can just kind kind of angle it and go... Well, you don't have to make a spectacle of it. But here's the thing, how I would invite you to respond this morning. If this is you, maybe you want to say, I'm dead to the power of sin and I am alive to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's your desire to obey from salvation instead of for salvation. And maybe this morning it's you, you would like to be baptized or rebaptized in the very near future. We want to make that possible to you, for you today. You can be raised to walk in new life. Jesus did for you what you could not do. So I encourage you as we sing some closing songs and we reflect on the message today, it's my prayer that you would leave this place with a fuller understanding of God's grace. You don't have to keep trying. Jesus has already done it for you. You're saved. Salvation is extended towards you. All you've got to do is accept it and then live from that salvation in a new way to be human so that others might see a picture 
of the living God. What are you living for? It's so amazing that we can be dead to the power of sin and alive in God through Christ Jesus. What I loved about this message is the idea that we can choose to obey God and lead others to the path of righteousness. It just reminds us how huge our influence can be on others. And it's important to remind ourselves of that. It was a great reminder for me. I hope that you enjoyed this message as much as I did. And I invite you to listen in and tune in later this week where another message of Elevate Retake will come out where I get to sit down with Pastor Michael and Zoya and we get to rehash this and kind of look a little deeper into it. I'm really excited for it. Tune into that later this week. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week.